It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. And we are back with another episode of Take Talk. I'm here with my normal host, Stephen O'Rourke. Steve, what is up? Man, I'm doing great, Brett. Woke up this morning. The heat wave is gone. It feels like fall again after getting just blasted with 90-degree heat here in Michigan the last, like, couple days. So, like, yeah. it's it's perfect timing that it lines up with, like, the start of football. I couldn't be more excited. That was stupid, by the way, the heat wave God. that we just got. Dude, I was we planned a, a we played like an end of summer get together on Monday for on Labor Day for like some of our friends of mm-hmm. kids our kids are friends with like we're friends with their parents too so we had like three couples over and like there was fifteen kids at my house and it was insane we just assumed it would be like a nice cool day out on the deck and kids would just play in the backyard no dude i had to go buy a special awning to keep people cold i had to get the water slide out and cranked up running you know running super cold water through there it was 90 something degrees that day so anyways we're back to fall though uh, on to the next opponent so hey for those of you listening <laughs> if you didn't know we are on youtube now this is our first episode on youtube um while we do appreciate all the audio downloads i think you're missing out if you don't get the full youtube experience you get to see steve's beautiful face and then a really nasty glare off the my bald head shining right into my camera so (laughs) please check it out on youtube um all right dude it is week one and our, our team plays tonight this is this feels like a setup steve this feels like a setup like we 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 try really hard to not focus so much on the lines but then we get opening night lions chiefs i mean it's it's a setup there, there's we're we're set up to fail right now <laughs> oh big time big time i've like talked myself in and out of like how the game's gonna go like 20 times already it's like yeah. three times a day i talk myself into how they're gonna win and then i talk myself into how they're gonna lose and i don't know where i'm five where i've fallen yet <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll see what happens when 820 hits and how i'm feeling right Oh, man. All right. So before we jump, we are going to preview tonight's game as well as some other games from the week one. So before we do that, let's hit some NFL news and things Brett likes, starting with things Brett likes. I like watches, Steve. Did you know that about me? I did not. I have a watch collection. And now that we're on YouTube, you can get the full experience here. Look at that case right there. Oh, that's that right. My, it's right. There it is. It's my watch collection. Well, it's usually on the shelf. I pulled it up for the show since it was on the things Brett likes. Right. Um, I have a nice, robust collection of watches. I have, I think, eleven um, valuable ones in my collection. I don't, I don't have any crazy like Rolex, four thousand dollar pieces or nothing. But I do collect. You know, I've got a lot of diesels, some Shinola, some stuff like that. You know, so I'm, I got like eleven. I'm eleven deep. I got one for pretty much any occasion, whether I'm, you know, rocking like basketball shorts and a t-shirt, or I'm, I'm decked out and, you know to the nines i I gotta watch for the occasion so i got some big huge face watches because i'm a big guy and um yeah so watches are something i like it's like the only thing i collect actually that's not true pokemon cards i like pokemon cards. nice love that i love that (laughs) yeah it's because my kids are obsessed with pokemon so i was like you know what i'll start collecting with them and um 
we we've collected to the point where my eight-year-old daughter and i have actually launched a business um selling pokemon cards right all to rare cards so um we are pre in the pre-revenue stage right now our site is being built (laughs) um we have built a really nice inventory though for the business i've created a really cool cataloging system my daughter's doing like all the work which is really cool i'm teaching i'm investing that entrepreneurial spirit that i have into my eight-year-old daughter which is really cool she's learning a bunch of really awesome skills so i like pokemon because it gets me more engaged with my daughter and i get to have those impactful moments where i'm teaching her the ways of the force so that's awesome you know what's crazy though i didn't prepare a third um, I like I like jujitsu. I could probably yeah, do that one know. every week and, and talk about a different aspect. Yeah, but I train, I train Brazilian <laughs> jiu-jitsu. Yeah, um, I like jujitsu and I, I train a lot. Uh, hanging off my screen there, I got some some championship medals there. If you if you're into that kind of thing, so <laughs> but jujitsu is great. Um, I think it's uh, whether you're a competitor or just a guy looking for a hobby, it's it's awesome. It it strengthens the body and the mind. I think it's a really good sport, and everyone should do it. I'm one of those guys. I'm not one of those guys, by the way. I kind of am. I kind of am. Can't dang it. I'm not, I'm not quite as bad as a you crossfitter. Fold, you folded so fast. I did. I'm not quite as bad as a crossfitter. You know, like, you know, within 60 seconds of meeting a crossfitter that they do crossfit. Yeah. I'm more like second date kind of guy. You know, like, we'll hang out once. And then the second time we hang out, I'm like, by the way, I do jujitsu. You should do that with me. So right. I like you have a lot of interaction with me before I get to that point, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely one of those guys. Unfortunately, dang it. At least you wait till right. day two. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Unless oh, there's some caveats. Like if I meet a guy, you know, like at the school where my kids go, and he's like, "Oh, like what do you do? You know, you look like you work out or something." I'm like, "I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and you should come right now with me and learn how to train." <laughs> I'm going right now. Get in my car. Yes, I'm going right now. I'm taking the kids, grab your kids. We're all going. Let's go. Um, anyways, all right. NFL news. Nick Bosa got a ridiculous contract. Steve, I forgot to pull the numbers, but I think is it five years, one seventy two. Yeah, yeah, five year, one seventy with a hundred and twenty two and a half million guaranteed. Ooh, that is quite the reset of the market. Yeah, it is. It's the largest defensive player contract in NFL history. I think he's. 3 million above, uh, 3 million AAV above Aaron Donald. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's deserved, right? But it's like 100%. I mean, mean, four years ago, that would have been like a top five quarterback contract. Oh, yeah. This is a massive, massive deal. Yeah. And it's, it's good on San Francisco to get that done because if there was going to be like a standoff, I think Nick Bosa would not, he wouldn't fold at any point. No, I think he's I one of the most like committed guys. And he's, that's like his personality from what you hear from people who operate around San Francisco and stuff is that yeah. he would have had no problem sitting there and just staring them down until they did something. That's true. That's true. And also like, even if the, it eventually led to him walking, some team is going to cough it up. Right. Because, there's there's teams desperate for star power like that even you know small market teams that just need some need some gusto they would have done it somebody would have done it so i and he's, I agree. A, and he's a perennial defensive player of the year candidate yes yep he actually he's the defending defensive player of the year isn't he is he not yes he is right yes yeah, um or i should say the reigning de- defensive player of the year um yeah that's cool 
so this is roster construction convo. San Francisco's got some weird things going on though on that payroll, man. <laughs> like they are how how are they gonna make this work long term? I guess it helps having sucky quarterback play for so long. Yeah, because... and that's that seems to be their that seems to be their pathway is they're riding the the thought that we can throw a quarterback into our offensive system. So we may not have to worry about ever, or at least like, especially in the next couple of years, paying a quarterback top dollar. Cause I think even if Brock Purdy, you know, I think that San Francisco could try and undersell him to himself, even if he made it to be like a solid quarterback, like his upside, isn't, you know, a top dollar quarterback. And so I think they have that in their mind that, okay, we can mitigate, we can mitigate like the money and, that we would put toward a quarterback and put it toward the defensive pieces and some of our wideouts and Kittle and people like that. Right. It's really crazy because they have like the amount of big time contracts they have is nuts. They've got obviously Nick Bosa now. Yeah. Trent Williams is also the highest paid tackle in the league. Eric Armstead is also an edge slash, you know, interior guy who gets paid a crap ton. Uh, Javon Hargrave gets paid a ton. Debo Samuel's yeah, top right. seven wide receiver money. George Kittle's the highest paid tight end in the league. Kyle Juszczyk is the highest paid fullback in the league. So, like, <laughs> they're just coughing up money. Oh, oh, Fred Warner's the highest paid linebacker in the league, right? Is he, isn't he? he highest paid? He's got to he be, got right? the contract. Yeah. So, like, that's that's just crazy, Steve. They got, they got money coming out all over the place. It's kind of a good thing maybe they didn't hit on Lance because they'd have to pay him soon here. Right, right. <laughs> It's, they may have the sunken cost is ridiculous, but in the end, it might work out for them in some way, shape, or form. Because right. if that bill came due, who knows what they would have to reconfigure and figure out. But the a question that I saw a couple times with this is, what does this mean for Micah Parsons when he comes up for his contract? Because oh, we've heard it we've we've heard it a couple times this off season that he's going to play at the edge. I know we've mentioned it ad nauseum throughout the season last year and during the yeah. off season about how he should be edge full time. And if he does and produces the stats that we know and have seen, he can produce. I mean, you could be looking at, you know, he's going to want to set the market. You could be looking at, you know, five year one, what would it be like five year one eighty? Oh, dude. Yeah. I don't even want to think about it. That edge rusher money is getting steep. Real steep, real fast. General is crazy. I know. And there's going to be a bunch of new contracts coming too. Um, Well, this year was the season of the D-tackle, and then you're going to have a bunch of edge contracts coming up. That's going to completely change everything. So, Yeah. Um, Other news, Cooper Cup looks to be a bit more serious than – well, I I wouldn't say anyone thought. I guess our guy at Fantasy Points kind of forecast that he would miss some games. So, yeah. that's uh Edwin, Dr. Edwin. So yeah, not not a huge surprise for us, I guess, but I guess the it seemed like the Twitter community was a little shocked that he was gonna miss game one. They announced him officially out. Um he's getting some second opinions and whatnot. Um so yeah, tough. It's Cooper Cup unfortunately feels like a guy whose body has kind of just always failed him. Like he's been banged up since his rookie year. Like yeah. he had the one magical season where he stayed healthy for the whole year, and that's what happened. That's how good he is when he is healthy. He He's obviously a fantastic player, but man, this is this is not like new for him, new territory, you know. Yeah, and you know, hamstring injury at his age with his position—that's I mean, that's a tough injury to come back from. I think it's smart that they're you know 
looking at potentially putting him on IR and things like that, I think that's smart because you'd rather lose him and get him back 100% full strength than have this be a recurring, ongoing, nagging injury throughout the year. And then all of a sudden you get him for five, six games sporadically throughout the year rather than, you know, lose him for the first six games and then, you know, get him, get him full health the rest of the way. Yep, I agree. Um, more news. Was that it? I feel like I feel like there's something I'm missing, but well, we're. I mean, today we're. Everybody, I think everybody's kind of sitting on their on the edge of their seat, waiting to see what happens with Travis Kelsey. Ah, yes, the Travis Kelsey news. That's tough because, like, ooh, he he makes that offense go with Mahomes, obviously, and you know where we sit, Steve. There's like a little bit of Schoenfeld that happens. Right. You don't, you don't ever want to like celebrate an injury, but you're like, right. Oh, the door just keeps opening a little wider and wider. Right. <laughs> and it, so, it does. It, uh, it does change the complexion of their offense uh, yeah. quite significantly. And I didn't even realize it, but he's only missed three games in his career and yeah. none of them have been due to an injury. None of them. I thought he missed a game in 2013 from an injury, but. Wow. Okay. That's that, well, crazy. maybe maybe one of them wasn't from an injury, but it was like a week seventeen, a week eighteen that were like you know just more of a coach's decision. And then he had one COVID. He was on the COVID list one, um, in 2020. And those yeah, were the only the three COVID games list. he's missed. Yeah, yeah that's which that's wild. <laughs> at, at the way know. he played, like the way he plays and the position he plays, that is remarkable like if you look at the other tight ends that you know are big name tight ends that you don't compare to him but are like that that tier below uh like hawkinson waller kittle those guys are constantly being nagged by injuries yeah so it's crazy that he's had the like just the injury avoidance that he's had it's true that is a good note well, so with that note, we should just jump into the to the game, the Thursday night football preview. The defending Super Bowl champs will be celebrating their Super Bowl victory tonight at Arrowhead Stadium. The Lions come in hoping to play. Spoiler. Um, I got something for you, Steve. I led Mr. John Hansen's show with this yesterday, and I think it's worth talking about. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the biggest storylines this week should be the Lions revamped coverage unit. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's a revamped unit versus that a da- dynamic Patrick Mahomes led offense. In the Lions, they did bring in four new defensive back starters, and although Mosley won't play in this game, but basically they have four new starters long term here. Um, but what if I told you the revamp actually started in the middle of last year, Steve? And it wasn't a personnel revamp, but it was a, a way of thinking strategy revamp. If you break down the numbers using fantasy points data suite, I went in and looked. The first eight weeks of 2022, the Lions defense allowed a league high and historically bad passer rating against of 108.5. Like one of the worst defenses imaginable in, in pass coverage. It was so bad. It was so bad. It was they, so bad. In turn, they stumbled out to a one in seven start while that was going on. During that initial period, they relied, they were super heavy man coverage, like 50 50 man zone. And not only that, dude, it was zero blitz like crazy. Like we're just throwing these corners on an island. There was miscommunication in the back end everywhere. But then all of a sudden, week nine (laughs) happened 
and they dramatically shifted their thinking. They switched to a much heavier zone scheme, 65-ish percent zone, 37% man, something like that, a 35% man. Um, the final stretch, weeks 9 through 18, their passer rating against plummeted to just 84.3, which was good for 10th in the 10th best in the league. So they literally went from historically bad defense, pass coverage defense, to top 10 in the league like that. <laughs> and uh, it's not enough people are talking about it. Like every writer I see talks about how bad the Lions defense is. And it, listen, it's not perfect yet. Like I think right. you and I as fans, we're hoping for like somewhere around like 20th best in the league this year. Think it to like yeah. that with their offense. They're, they're winning the division easily. So I'm not, claim, I'm not claiming that their defense is awesome, but the revamp started last year and they, we already saw a massive improvement. Um, Pass rating against of 84.3. That's like really solid. They were generating turnovers. The the coverage you obviously was just tighter. The pass rush came alive. Um, really good stuff. <laughs> and they're not zero blitzing nearly as much anymore, which is a big deal. Now you're adding all these new bodies to the mix that do what they want to do better, like Cam Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley. Those guys came from defensive schemes that closely resembled what the Lions were doing towards the end of last year, right? Like the Steelers are yeah. have always been big on diagnosing they do mix man and zone really well but it's it's a really heavy diagnose they rock and roll those safeties um versatility is a key component to, to how they play their zone coverages so cam sutton's a versatile guy most uh, san francisco is not a man heavy team at all they run man you know they're down bottom near the bottom of the league in man coverage usage so he's coming in with a, a really good prowess in zone coverage um, and then you bring in Brian Branch from that Saban tree who their, you know, their complexity of their defenses is extraordinary. Um, so he's going to fit right in. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson has done everything. He's been great in man, great in zone, plays in the slot, plays safety. Like this secondary with the way they're calling plays now and then the personnel they now have should actually be pretty freaking good. And I think when you look at the depth as well, Tracy Walker coming off the bench, uh, eventually Jerry Jacobs coming off the bench, like, Will Harris coming off the bench. These are all guys that started for them for multiple seasons. They're yeah. now depth pieces. Um, other guys that made the team, uh, Baby Gilmore, you know, making the team. Yeah. Dor- Khalil Dorsey, like these guys showed out in the preseason. The, the depth is just unbelievable compared to where it was. Um, like you could argue that their their bench secondary is better than their starters last year. <laughs> so. Yeah, and because it's funny if you looked at, you know, Fifth, like cut week for the Lions last year. It was more about, you know, the talent that they didn't have and, you know, trying to find diamonds in the rough and, you know, a pretty bleak outlook. And this year it was, it was the narrative was more of like, oh my goodness, we have more talent than we kind of know what to do with. And it was still a lot of like younger guys, some undrafted guys that kind of came along, but still it was more about, how, how they were losing talented players that they didn't want to lose more so than having to keep guys that, you know, you look across the league and it's like, well, this guy wouldn't make another roster really. Like the only reason he's here and that's, you know, yep. no offense to those guys, but like the only reason they're there is because they're with the lions and they just have, you know, an absolute, they had an absolute deficit in the secondary for talent. Yeah. They, they got rid of, or I shouldn't say got rid of, they cut or waived five players that are already on other 53-man rosters. Yeah. Like, that's the first time in, God, I don't know how long that's actually happened. Sometimes they'll get one, 
And then a lot of times it's just guys doing other practice squads, but five of, right. so five of the guys they cut made other teams, which that speaks to the depth. But um, all I have to say, like Patrick Mahomes is an equal opportunity offender. Like he's does not care if you're playing zone or man, he will shred you. It doesn't, it really doesn't matter. Um, I'm yeah. just pointing out that I do think the perception going into this game, at least from the national guys is like, oh, Mahomes is going to absolutely eviscerate this horrible Lions defense. And I don't think the math really says that that's true. Um, right. like he eviscerates most defenses, but he's not going to have some easy layup, I don't think. I think they're going to make it more difficult for him tonight than most people think. Yeah, and I mean, the, it's funny because looking at the stats from last year, looking at Detroit's defense, it the, like this Kansas City team, based on, like if you looked at what Detroit's defense was last year, they they were pretty specifically built to beat the lions. Like the lions last year, they were one of the worst teams against inline tight ends. They were one of the worst teams against the slot. Like they were giving up, like it was, yeah, 9.79 yards in attempt when targeting the slot. And, and it like 8.61 yards per attempt um, against inline tight ends. Like it was insane how easily teams were able to move the ball down the field targeting those, you know, inside guys. And you can see how much of, like we just said, how much of their thought process was to eliminate that deficit that they had. I mean, now compared to last year, you look at it and you would argue that that is their strength now. The slot and defending a tight end, that would be probably the strength of their secondary right now with, you know, Gardner Johnson, what what branch is projected to be. CJ Branch, Jack Campbell all those guys playing in the interior of the second level there. So uh, I agree. I think that they're definitely built better, at least to handle the slot in the tight end. Um, yeah, that's that's a good note. I think the other side of the ball, actually sticking to the coverage conversation, I do want to point out Mahomes and Goff are two of the best, if not the two best guys at beating cover three in the league. A lot of that scheme for Goff, you know, play like Ben Johnson's really dialed some cool stuff up this could be a difference in the game is that the Lions are going to play a lot more cover three than the uh, than the Chiefs will. Chiefs don't really do it. They're going to play a lot of cover two, some more too high stuff, stuff yep. Goff actually struggles with. <laughs> yep. Where uh, the Lions are probably going to sit back and play a lot of cover three, maybe some fire zone, and there's a chance um, that just gives the Chiefs a, a pretty big advantage in, in of itself. So we'll see what, what the Lions dial up as far as coverages and how they're going to disguise those looks. But, um, you know, ultimately, like, you know, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how the lines in the long run stop the the Chiefs' offense. I just, it's, it is so good. The the one concern for the Chiefs, like, do you have concerns about their new tackle situation at all? Because like, I think Donovan Smith is very overrated. I don't think he's a good player at all. Yeah, um, uh, I mean, I mean, it's it'll it'll be interesting because what, like we said, like you kind of alluded to earlier, so much of what the Detroit defense has kind of been built on with Aaron Glenn is creating pressure off of the blitz. Mahomes is one of the, is, you know, he's third, he was third in the league last year against the blitz. He had a 111.3 passer rating against the blitz. Yeah. So it's, I think that it's really going to come down to how does the Detroit defensive line perform? And this is, it's a defensive line with, I think that a lot of people outside of Detroit wouldn't really know. And so it is going to be, can they get James Houston to take advantage of James Houston, Aiden Hutchinson, moving those guys, guys around Kaminsky, and getting pressure with just, you know, a four or five man rush from that defensive line. I think that like yeah. to stop the Kansas city defense, it, it truly comes down to that. 
And, you know, even more so, I think we've, like, we've talked about it before. Mahomes is pretty good at mitigating uh, pass rush from the outside. So a, a bad tackle situation for Mahomes isn't nearly as detrimental. I think he's, he's very, he's very good at, you know, kind of evading in the pocket. He's very good at, you know, right. making good of a, of a sloppy situation. It's really the interior pressure. He, you know, it's very similar to what Brady was in his career. Brady wasn't, you know, he could handle a bad tackle situation. It was a shoddy interior of offensive line that would really derail him. And that's where, I mean, that's where Kansas City's strength is on their offensive line. Their interior offensive line is yes. fantastic. And so that's, it, I, I really think that that's like the matchup of the night for that, for the Lions defense and the Kansas City offenses. Can the Lions get pressure with just four-man rush? Can they do it without having to bring a blitz? And can they, you know, get some push from those guys that they're expecting to take a leap on the interior and even on like on the outside? And just to see how that progresses, I think that that's going to be such a big factor. And I, I mean, obviously, it's that's a big factor in most games, but really against Kansas City, that's like the one way to kind of stop their defense is to be able to get a pass rush and force Mahomes to you know have him see pressure from the middle yeah so long story short i'm not that worried about donovan smith i you know he's he isn't that great of a player but of all the teams that can handle having a meh offensive tackle kansas city's probably the one of the teams that can really do it yeah that's fair i do think this this game you'll get to see how good james houston and charles harris are at tackling because especially james houston yeah, Mahomes is already pretty drifty in the pocket. Then you put James Houston's speed rush in the mix. Like the angles Houston's going to get like rushing against a bad Donovan Smith and a quarterback who drifts, he's going to get some angles. Like he's going to have some yeah. pursuit angles on Mahomes. We'll get to see how good at tackling because I think Mahomes probably outweighs James Houston. So. <laughs> it's probably pretty close. Um, and then before, like one other thing that I'm interested to watch is the Kansas City Chiefs were very good at getting light boxes in the run game last year. Yeah. They're very good at getting, you know, six or less men in the box. Detroit was one of the worst defenses when li- against the run when lined up in light boxes. And with Kelsey possibly being out or even, you know, if he plays, he's a little bit injured. You could see Kansas City, they, you know, they started to lean and move toward a little bit more run concepts with Pacheco and just like yeah. they kind of had a resurgence with their run game. I I think that's another big one is can Detroit get spread out and still stop the run? Because otherwise it's going to be a long day. Pacheco could be going for, you know, six, seven yards of carry. And it could be, you know, a repeat of what, of if anybody remembers the Detroit Carolina game last year, where Carolina didn't even have to put the ball in the air. They just had, all they had to do was just pound it right down their throats up and down the field. So that's another one that I'm looking at where, you know, Detroit's, Re, not necessarily they, they brought in Campbell, but they're feeling better about their linebacking unit than they had previously. So how does that play out? Can they, you know, get into a light box and still trust themselves to stop the run? Yes. The, you know, man, the, the advent of Derek Barnes, his resurgence could help them there. Yeah. Um, he's, he's more of a downhill uh, go get the ball kind of guy. Jack Campbell, same thing. I, I don't know how much it will help, but it will help a little bit. Um, yeah, ultimately, any any offense that can put second-level defenders in conflict really gave the Lions trouble last year. Yeah, and that's yep. that's what it came down to. And I know the Chiefs aren't going to run a ton of RPOs, but 
you know, if they do, that could that could really help. On the other <laughs> side of the ball, Steve, uh, in the trenches, I'm really curious to see that matchup. The Lions' offensive line is fantastic. Top three in the league, in my opinion. They have all five starters for, like, the second game of the, the Campbell era, which yep. is kind of crazy to think about, between Vitae missing all last year, Ragnar missing time in both seasons, Panay missed some time his rookie season, Decker missed some time. No, Panay didn't miss time. It was Decker. Decker missed some time. Like, these five guys haven't really played together. Um and the offensive line has still performed very well. So now you're expecting even a, a uptick from that, you know, with another year of development for Panay and Jonah. Then you got Vitae back at right guard, who's just a big mauler. I kind of, I don't think Ben Johnson has like, he's not too super conservative in the way he calls plays, but I do think the, you'll see the identity of the Lions come out tonight with, they want to be smash mouth. They want to run the ball. They want to punch you in the face. They want to kill you with play action. They understand the the threat on the other side with Mahomes. I think they're yeah. going to try to control that clock a little bit, make sure they're getting points every drive, go on long drives. I think yeah. you'll see them go for some fourth down stuff, like midfield, you know, if the if the situation's right. Like a fourth and one from the 50, I could see Campbell going for that. Oh, um, yeah. So I think they'll be aggressive there, but conservative in the way they're kind of approaching the play calling a little bit, at least to start the game. They're going to want to get some rhythm going and get that run game established, which – uh, that's we've seen other teams try this and they usually lose. So, <laughs> yeah. And the big difference is Kansas city doesn't have Chris Jones, which, that is, you know, that is, he's that's actually quite literally a big difference. Cause he's a big, yeah. He, I mean, he's, well, he's kind of the guy that makes that, that defense go. He, you know, he's responsible for so much pressure, creating so much pressure, creating such a push in the middle, freeing up other guys on that, uh, on that defensive line that, you know, it, we looked at it a couple weeks ago. They don't have a ton of like premier talent on the defensive line other than Chris Jones. Yeah. They've been able to use Chris Jones to kind of elevate some some talent on there. And so it'll be interesting to see how Spagnolo kind of schemes that up and what he does to, you know, help make up for the loss that is not having Chris Jones there. Cause I, I mean, it's talked about constantly, but like he really is such a crucial part of that defense. I mean, throughout the playoffs last year, he was, I think he, you know, he had over 20 pressures throughout the entire play, throughout the entire playoffs. He just, right. he's so integral to that defense and he's so integral to, you know, even just the secondary operating the way they do. And so it'll be interesting to see how they, how they make up for his loss tonight. And I think it, and it's going to be a big, uh, it's going to be a big projection for them because, I mean, Chris Jones is saying he's very willing to sit out until week eight. So this, I mean, this game, you know, dealing with a good offense and them going back into the AFC where there are a lot of good offenses. I think this is it's a big test for them and it's a big test for them going forward for the next, you know, couple of weeks because it, it, they really need to figure out how they're going to create pressure and how they're going to, you know, make up for the loss of Chris Jones. Yeah, it's a big – I mean, we already talked about the Lions O-line, but, like, they – when you say they don't have any premier talents, bro, they don't even have any talent. <laughs> like, they're, I mean, they're, they're, you know, resting their laurels on on development is what it is. George yes. Karloff just has to step up. The other young guys they've drafted, they got to step up and play well. But, like, they're not established guys yet. It'd be like no. – Like, last year, I mean, the Lions depended on Aiden Hutchinson for, like, 950 snaps. Like, yeah, that's what the Chiefs are looking at this year and, like – it yeah. took Hutch a while to get going, to be honest. I know he had some big sack performances, but, like, the pressure rate wasn't really there early in the season. The run defense was bad. So, like, 
it takes yeah, it a, lot a lot of manufactured stuff. That. Yeah, a lot of manufactured stuff. A lot of uh, Carson Wentz holding the ball for five and a half seconds in the end zone stuff. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> <so, laughs> yeah. That, that won't be a thing, I, I don't think. So, all right, let's move on. That was TNF tonight, the NFL kickoff. We're going to, we got like what, 25 ish minutes left. Let's hit a couple games you're looking forward to. I know we are both looking forward to Cincinnati traveling to Cleveland to take on the yes. Browns in the Battle of Ohio. Why don't you, why don't you start yes. us off with that? What are you seeing there? So, I think like this is, it's, you know, kind of Joe Burrow's going to be there. That's been said, and it's really this is a this is a massive test for Cleveland. Now, granted, Cleveland's had a lot of success against Cincinnati. It's kind of funny how Zach Taylor has built such a good team, but for whatever reason, they've struggled against Cleveland throughout the years. But we, I mean, I'm I'm predicting, and a lot of other people are predicting that this is one of the best divisions in the NFL, and this is a this is a big moment for Cleveland to show that they do have the top five talent uh, team that we think they have. And can they all put it to, can they put it all together? Because their defense was pretty really shoddy last year. I mean, they gave up, they had the most blown coverages last year. They, you know, they were giving up 111.3 pass rating on goal balls, which is, you know, devastating against Cincinnati. I think that's something that you'll see Cincinnati push hard and, I just like, I really want to see the Cleveland defense come together and I really want to see their secondary pull together and put, put like a good performance, just a solid performance yeah. together. I still think that since he has the edge, I think that there's enough unknown with, with Cleveland and Cincinnati. I've, I've talked about their defense constantly. I love what their defense does and their offense is just a well-oiled machine at this point. I mean, there's no one that can really, it, you know, they're, almost to the point of the chiefs, but they have better weapons. So obviously it just like moves a little bit better, but I don't, I just, I really think that it comes down to can Cleveland's defense take the step that we think they can and yeah. can they just hold coverage a little bit? I mean, they you know, cover three was their main coverage and Joe Burrow is one of the most successful quarterbacks against man uh, against cover three. So It'll be interesting. At to the see. same time, though, if you're going to stop Burrow, you have to play. You have to play cover three. He shreds cover two. He shreds quarters. Yeah. Like he wants those gaps on the boundary. If you can, if you can tighten up and match on the boundary, he's going to have a long day. And that's why yeah. Cleveland's done so well against Burrow. To be honest, like Burrow's numbers against Cleveland have been horrendous the last yeah games. And that's why just Cleveland, what they do on defense, even with as bad as they were last year, like with the miscoms on the back end. They still match up with with uh, the Bengals really, really well. Yeah, um, and I think if you want to beat Burrow, you got to be able to get home with four guys and play cover three, or at least some type of man that's gonna you know lock up the boundary. So because that's where Burrow loves to target that boundary outside the numbers, you know, ten to thirty yards downfield, like that's his sweet spot. I would I would think that the Browns are going to be a little bit better this year just from a communication standpoint. Yeah, all those guys have another another year under their belt. They're all healthy. And then, you know, can Miles Garrett get home a few times on Burrow and start to rattle him? Also, you know, Burrow's injured right now, too. So, like, yeah. you know, he's likely to play. But I don't know about the mobility. Um, that's a little scary for me. If, if I were the Bengals, I don't think I would play Burrow in this game. And either would Jamar Chase. <laughs> Is that what Jamar Chase said? Yeah, he did a couple weeks ago. He was like, I'd rather Joe Burrow sit out week one 
and get Ooh. fully healthy than and then see him play week one. You know, because because he 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 alluded to like how he sat out two games and came back fully healthy and how it changed you know how he played yeah. and that you know he could have pushed through the injury but he didn't because it was more important to him to get fully healthy and be able to be a hundred percent than it was to you know trot out but 70 80 percent of himself yeah well you know what jamar chase and i have in common i don't know <laughs> we, we both went to medical school at the university of nowhere <laughs> so jamar and i are in agreement. joe burrow should sit out and we're qualified because of our yeah, hundred percent. Stamp it. So we stamp it. So, <laughs> um, but no, for real though. Even just whether the medicals, even if the medicals are like ninety percent clean, and you're like, oh yeah, he's fine. There's no, there's like a really small chance of a setback. I don't care. Any chance of a setback, just just sit him down. It's one game. Yeah. So, but I don't, that's that's my take, even but. even more so. I think that this game for Cleveland is. 100% all about what is who is Deshaun Watson is Deshaun Watson what we saw in those back six games last year or is he what we saw in Houston back whenever he was playing honestly at this point I don't even remember what year it was but you know like because I mean they paid the man so much money and so like they have a lot on the line here and he's they are expecting to be a top team in the NFL so is Deshaun Watson good or is he washed? I think that like tonight or not tonight, but like this weekend on Sunday, that's probably the main focus of Cleveland coaches, Cleveland fans, everybody who's paying attention to the AFC North. I think that it's so much relies on what does Deshaun Watson look like? He had a yeah. full training camp. He's, you know, moved or the, the you know, the, the allegations are somewhat behind him and he did, it was a, somewhat um you know distraction free off season and so yes it was. he has no excuses there are zero excuses for him now yeah i agree um i think i think we, we i mean he needs to show up right away like i i'm skeptical because of what we saw last year i'm skeptical skeptical because of the the 2020 season he gets touted for i didn't think he played that well actually um so yeah, I yeah, I need to see a lot from Watson to believe to buy in and believe in that team. If he is a guy, they should be uh contending for that division with the Bengals. Yeah. So. All systems go. And he, yep. I mean he gets a he gets a decent matchup. Uh Cincinnati runs uh you know their base coverage is cover three, and that's the that's the covers that Cleveland has kind of excelled at as an offense. You it, Amari Cooper averages about 2.44 yards per route run against cover three. Even Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's at 2.08 yards per route run against cover three. And Deshaun Watson was like, if you looked at his stats against all the coverages, cover three was like the one coverage that he did well against. He, you know, he had a 109.7 passer rating, 77% completion percentage. So, you know, cover three was actually where he was most comfortable. And so it'll be interesting to see does Cincinnati throw that coverage at him quite a bit and how he does against it? Or are they going to kind of, or are they going to be more, are they going to mix up coverages a lot more because they've seen that, you know, he had success against that. Right on. Um, all right. Who are you picking in that game? I'm going to go Cincinnati. Cincinnati. I am. I'm not. I'm also going to go Cincinnati, but I think it could be close. I think it'll be a close game. 
I mean, like we said, Cleveland plays well against Cincinnati, but I just think that Cincinnati has some serious aspirations this year. And I think that they, I think they're going full out, all out every single week. I don't think that there's, I don't think they're holding anything back this year. I think they're, they're going for, they're going for it all. I think they want to be the best team in the NFL. I think they want to, you know, they obviously have huge aspirations. So I think they really want to come out the gate strong. And I think we'll see that. I agree. All right. I want to go. We don't have much time left, Steve. We do have a hard out today because other guys trying to record their podcast. How rude. Yes. Um, but <laughs> I, I definitely want to hit Buffalo, New York. Do you have another vote? Um, I like Buffalo, New York. I, I, either that or Miami Chargers. I think that's another good one. All right. Let's do Buffalo, well, New York. If we have time, yeah. we'll double back to Miami Chargers. All right. Yep. This Buffalo, New York game. I'm excited to see it. For one, it's in New York. Well, not really. It's in New Jersey. Um, Aaron Rodgers in his first start at quarterback for the Jets. The Buffalo secondary was vulnerable at times last year. Yep. Uh, I think they're a little bit healthier now, but still, like, I'm, I'm curious to see how Aaron Rodgers deals with that. Buffalo is mo- a lot of people's pick to win the Super Bowl this year. They think this is the year we get it done. That's your pick to win the Super Bowl. I was to say that's my pick. Yeah. So it's a really good Week One matchup for both teams. We kind of get to take uh, an inventory of where the Jets are with Aaron Rodgers, and we get to see, yep. you know, what Buffalo's added to the to the team here this year. And I know they didn't do a lot in free agency, and the draft is a draft, but you know good teams make small adjustments to make them better. Remember the year the yep. Rams won it all like McVay hard deviated from some, from some stances he was dug in on before with the way he called the run game and stuff like that. So good teams make adjustments. And I, I want to see if Buffalo's made any adjustments or if they're just relying on health and new personnel to get it done. Yeah. Um, that'll be a big thing for me. So I, this is a really good matchup. What are you seeing here? Um, it'll be interesting to see. I'm excited to see what Aaron Rodgers looks like when he cares again. Cause I think we all, you know, made jokes and prodded at him through, through the last like two years in green Bay. It looked like he kind of just didn't care. He was just kind of freewheeling. It was what, what it was. And, you know, he had been kind of sick and tired of it, but I think you're seeing the resurgence of his excitement to be out there. You're seeing his enjoyment. You know, if you watched hard knocks, it, you know, he kind of projected and looked to be just a different person as far as just his attitude to our football. So that's a, I mean, I'm, that's what I'm most excited for, but I'm also just interested to see, like you said, is like with Buffalo is the health of their defense going to change things. And I really think a big, a big thing of it is, you know, can they defend Garrett Wilson? I think a lot of what New York's going to do, I think they're going to run their offense through Garrett Wilson, kind of similarly to how, uh, Aaron Rodgers ran that offense in Green Bay through Devontae Adams. And, you know, the slot was one of kind of the weaknesses that Buffalo had defending. They, well, you know, similar it, to Green Bay, Steve, real quick. Sorry. Uh, Garrett Wilson is also all they have, where Devontae Adams was all they had. Like yeah. the Jets receivers suck. Sorry. Continue. Yeah. But, you know, I think Garrett Wilson could see a massive amount of targets. Uh, Buffalo against uh, slot targets. They gave up an adjusted completion percentage of 76.6% and a pass rating of 106.3. So, you know, how are they going to, how are they going to adjust and, and make it so that Garrett Wilson doesn't absolutely tear them apart? Because I think that 
the way for Buffalo to win this game is to force Aaron Rodgers to target those outside receivers, force him to get those guys that we, you know, don't necessarily believe in involved in the passing offense. And, you know, I, a lot of what Buffalo runs is they like to do a lot of, you know, single high safety stuff. And so, and that's kind of Rod, where Rodgers excels. I think he loves seeing single high safeties. I think that's where that, you know, as what he wants. And so, you know, how are they going to mix up the coverages? How are they going to make it so that they're not susceptible deep to like, you know, the patented Aaron Rodgers deep ball, because I think that we're going to see Aaron Rodgers push it down the field a little bit more. Um, I don't know how to, how to word it, but just like more calculated. He did it like, he's always done it, but I think in the last couple of years, he's done it more just as an FU throw. And I think this year you'll see it more as a, you know, calculated established you know set up type deal so how does buffalo defend against uh defend against the deep ball and how do they make sure that rogers has to push the ball outside the numbers yeah it's uh, it's tough because the way we're projecting it right now we have garrett wilson playing on the left side 60 percent of the time which means he'd be going against trey white um and then lazard will be facing likely dane jackson on a good chunk of his snaps, sixty-five percent of his snaps. So, it's a tough situation where if they're if they're shadowing Wilson with with White, or if Wilson is playing sixty percent on the left side, like their best matchup is probably going to be uh, Lazard versus Dane Jackson. And I don't like calling yeah. Lazard against anybody a good matchup. So that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. And I think uh, I think Buffalo is going to run a lot more a lot more nickel and dime sets this year. They obviously lost Jermaine Edmonds. Their linebacking unit, you know, outside of Milano, they don't have a ton. It's kind of some unproven talent. They've got uh, Terrell, Bernard, Terrell Bernard, you know, filling in for Edmonds, but they brought in Taylor Rapp. And so I yep. think that you'll see Buffalo dime linebacker. Use, uh, yeah, use, t- use Rapp as a dime linebacker and, you know, try and go for more of a speed defense this year. I think that they're, that's, I think that's the push that they're going to make personally. I think that. They didn't. They specifically didn't go and address linebacker because they wanted to be, you know, more similar to like how the Cowboys operate, where it's just a lot of athletic safety, like safety, like players that can, you know, yeah. kind of bounce inside, outside, play the run, and play the pass. I know that internally they like Bernard a lot too. They didn't feel like they needed to add anybody because he was there. Um, I talked to my guy Joe Marino. Shout out Joe Marino, who's uh, you know Bills Wire draft dudes, all that stuff. Yeah, um, he he's a Buffalo guy, obviously, and he he likes Terrell Bernard as well a little bit. Um, but I think you're right. I think Rap is going to get involved there. Um, you know, when McDermott was in Carolina, he did this too. Uh, he did this with some three safety stuff, you know, for that dime package, and yeah, um, they ran virtually the same coverage shells. It was a lot of cover three with some cover two mixed in, but yeah, like really relying on instincts and keeping everything in front of you. I think they're going to continue that trend. So how how Roger? I could see Rogers getting very frustrated in this game, Steve. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, he gets frustrated every game. Let's let's not kid ourselves. Well, he could be up by thirty five, and he's still he's still pissing and moaning about something. So yeah, um, competitive spirit, I guess. Brady was the same way, but um, and the offensive line for the Jets. Oh, good lord. I don't know. It's not like it's Dude. not that great. There's a lot of holes there, and they look. They didn't look the best throughout the preseason either the term the grass isn't always greener could never be more true for Aaron Rodgers right now because like 
He's complained about his weapons for how many years? And now tonight, going into tonight, he's going to have Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard standing next to him in a huddle that doesn't have David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. Like, he downgraded O-line, and he kept the same weapons. And, by the way, Garrett Wilson's a downgrade from Devonta Adams as much as we might like Garrett Wilson. He's not that guy yet. He might be one day. Right. I'm just saying, like, you can't argue Rodgers is in a better situation than when he was in Green Bay. I mean, holy crap. No, no. I, th- I mean, it'll be interesting to see because I think he took for granted how good at Green, yeah. how good Green Bay was at identifying and filling in offensive line talent. They're, I yes. mean, they're so consistently six guys deep, and he, New York's not even three guys deep. Right. <laughs> so that, I, that, like, that could be a big thing. And, you know, Buffalo wants to get after the pass, after the passer. And when Von Miller was healthy last year, Buffalo was at the top of the league. They were top three in pressure rate when Von Miller was healthy. So that, yeah. I know like the, what we remember now is that they kind of struggled getting after the passer at the end of the year, but you know, those first nine weeks before Von Miller went down, they were getting after quarterbacks very consistently. It was, I mean, they were up over 30% pressure rate for the first nine weeks of the year. Russo, another year under his belt as well. And yep. Oliver started coming into his own last year yep. and got paid for it in this off season. So, uh, yeah, I I agree. This is this could be a rough day for Rodgers in his debut. Yeah. You know what it might remind me of? Do you remember when Brady first couple weeks with the Bucks? It was rough and the people were kind of panicking. Remember they got, yeah. they got walloped by the Packers, I think actually, right? Yeah. They just got destroyed. The Saints played them really tough. Um uh, or was it the opposite? Did they wallop the Packers? They got destroyed by somebody. It was either the. I want to say they got. I want to say they got beat up by the Packers because that was the storyline going into the playoff game that year. Gotcha. And I remember people panicking. Then they go on to win the Super Bowl. (laughs) So I'm not saying (laughs) Rodgers is going to do that, but like he could very well struggle this game. It doesn't mean it's over. It just means it's one game. So they might use a lot of. I could see them going a lot of RPO. Buffalo was giving up about seven and a half yards per attempt on RPO passes. So Rodgers could, you know get into his bag and work a lot of RPO stuff uh, to, you know, mitigate pass rush and, you know, make it a lot easier on his offensive line. For sure. All right, Steve, we are out of time, but I'm a man of the people and I know you wanted to give the people Miami chargers. So let's do, give me like three most important notes for this game in 30 seconds. Okay, here we go. Go. Uh, Chargers run primarily single high coverage. Tyreek Hill absolutely torched single high coverage last year. He was uh, 3.91 yards per route run against cover three, 3.68 yards per route run against uh, cover one. But it'll be interesting. On the other side, Fangio comes in for Miami's uh, defense. They are going to run a lot of cover four, cover six. Herbert was really effective against cover four. Pass rating of 112.9, adjusted completion percentage of 88.3%. Cover four, he struggled a little bit more against. He uh, was he didn't check the ball down as much, which was crazy. It was only a 9% check down rate, which means that he wanted to push the ball more, and it reflected he only had a pass rating of 75. So it'll be interesting to see how Herbert adjusts against those coverages. And then Chargers were terrible against the run. They were terrible against zone concept runs. They gave up, they gave up a 59% success rate against zone concept runs and five and a half yards per carry. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see – 
uh, if we see the Miami Dolphins run the ball a little bit more and push that Chargers offense to kind of set up their run or set up their pass. A lot of play action, a lot of zone concept run. I think that's what you'll see from uh, the Miami offense. Yes, that is what they do uh, traditionally, and they're doing it against an opponent who struggles with those looks, so should be exacerbated a little bit more this week. Steve, that was impressive. You got a, a lot of words in like 34 seconds. That was nuts. Um, <laughs> I, pre- I prepped like an eight-page sheet. You saw it. I prepped like an eight-page yeah. sheet of stats I pulled for each game. So I've got, I had them ready on I had them ready on the fly. Yeah, I'm looking at said sheet as you're going through it. You nailed it. I can't look at the, that sheet and recite things that fast because I didn't write it. So I don't know the tone in which you wrote it in. Right. So <laughs> it takes me a second to process what's there. Anyways, that was impressive. Who are you picking to win this game? I'm picking Miami. I'm picking Miami as well. I think I think Fangio is going to give Herbert a little bit of fits, and I think that Miami's offense, Tua, and I think the boys are just going to get rolling. And I don't, I'm not totally bought in on the Chargers' defense yet. I think they they have they have a ton of talent, but we haven't seen it all come together. And so until I see it come together, I am pushing the Chargers down the road. I agree completely. Um, yeah. You know, I just realized, dude, we previewed four AFC games. And it, oh, oh, it's more well, kind of three NFC match or AFC matchups and then one NFC AFC crossover. So NFC which fans that's, are mad. But which, that's that's okay. kind of how the NFL is right that's now. True. Look at the look at where the tail and the quarterbacks are and look at just the competition on both sides. The that's NFC true. is all about like all is all about like who could lose their way in, who could get in on an eight and nine, nine and eight record. On the AFC side, it's how in the world are these teams that are so talented even going to sniff the playoffs? Yep. 100%. All right. Re- quick recap. I'm taking the Chiefs. I'm taking the Bengals. I'm taking the Bills. And I'm taking the Dolphins. Are you in the same boat? Just for the sake of it, I'm going to go Detroit. Okay. I like it. I'm going to go Both I'm going to go Detroit on this one. I'm I'm finally standing on my decision. I think that the loss of their best defensive player and their their best non-Mahomes player being even not 100%, I think that that's going to make a big difference. I still did, I have been saying it all the time. I think it's first at 35. I think it could be a 35, you know 32, 38, 35 game. I think it could be an absolute shootout. But I just think that Detroit's going to have more opportunities on offense. I, you just you convinced me. I'm changing my mind. I'm going Detroit, not because I lack competitiveness and <laughs> scared of competing against you in a in a pick'em game, but because I've been complaining about Lions fans all the last two weeks because I listen to local radio and they're all calling in. Well, oh, I just want the Lions to compete. That's all I'm looking. It's a shut up, shut up. No, if, if they're if they're for real, if they're down their two best non Mahomesian players. Their third best and Legereus Need is banged up. Even if he plays, he's not 100. percent There's no yeah. excuses. If you're if you're legit, yeah. go out there and win. I think the Lions get it done. You change my mind. Yeah, right. I think you're right. That's a, I mean that's the big difference is that the Lions. This is a game that they need to they need they should win. If you want, if, yeah. the, if this is where the Lions want to be, they want to be contenders. Yep. You have to go beat a contender. It's not about like oh let's see how good we do. Let's see if we can hang tight. Like that was last. That's you know what you were looking for last year. This year you're looking for them to close these games out. What's the Migos song? Walk it like I talk it. Yeah, talk it. Yep. So that's uh, here we go. The Lions need to live the walk it like I talk it life. All right, that's gonna do it for us. 
I am Brett Whitefield. This is Stephen Work. We will be back next week. We do not have a a day slot set in stone yet. Joe Dolan and I are still discussing what the best uh, option is for that. So we might be a Friday show. We might be a Wednesday show. We might be a Tuesday show. We don't know yet. Um, but next week, just just pay attention to the feed and, and you'll see when we come out. So also make sure if you want audio. Content. Yes. Mount, like seriously, we, Steve, we drove the podcast feed last year especially me because i had on the clock as well when the season ended yeah we went from basically just like you and i and then john's matchup show an occasional two bars episode from graham and scott to now we have so many podcasts we have multiple coming out per day yeah fantasy points has exploded officially taken over take it over the youtube channel is on fire if you're if you're an audio only guy please go subscribe on youtube even if you don't watch it go subscribe click the bell for notifications double dip for us we appreciate the double dipping it helps with the ad revenue all right absolutely i gotta cut it there we are out we'll see you next week thanks for listening Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.